Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 2 of season 6, My US Road Trip Part 2. In this season, I kick things off with two weeks in New Orleans. There, I head to a couple of competitions and spend some time hanging out with the who's who of Southern Barbecue. From there, it's up to Kansas City for four days of Barbecue Nirvana at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's Annual Conference and Excellence Awards. The final two weeks of the journey see us head into Arkansas for some R&R, including bass fishing, monster trucks, a state cook-off association competition, an AK-47, and a brush with a tornado. And of course, you're coming with me. In this episode, I head downtown to the number one voted barbecue joint in New Orleans, Central City Barbecue. There, I met James Cruz Jr., the head pitmaster of Central City, and also team captain of the all-conquering Apocalypse Now competition barbecue team. After a tour of the very impressive facilities, we grabbed a couple of local microbrews and a plate of pulled pork egg rolls and chatted at length about what goes into running the number one barbecue joint in a city voted number one for food in the world, and I even managed to get James to give me a step-by-step run-through of how he does his competition-winning pork ribs. And for those of you that were wondering, those egg rolls were to die for. Before we get into it, I'd like to let you know about our awesome merch shop. We've got our incredible Smoking Hot Confessions tumblers, as well as hats, t-shirts, and stickers. There's also two amazing ebooks: 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue and The Delicious Bacon Manifesto. I'd also like to invite you to join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. If you're looking for a barbecue group full of open-minded people who just love to help each other out, the Smoking Hot Confessions community is a great place to continue the conversation. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. It really helps me spread that barbecue love. So without further ado, grab yourself a local micro brew and a pulled pork egg roll and join me as I wrap all things barbecue with James Cruz Jr. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Charcoal is a leader in the barbecue scene. Whether it's sponsoring festivals, supporting teams, or supplying fuels for your backyard cookouts. Their charcoal burns clean and hot and is also sustainable, renewable, eco-friendly, and 100% natural. Aware of their global responsibilities as an industry leader, their charcoal is made from an invasive species that is destroying valuable farmland in Namibia and Botswana. Clean Heat Charcoal empowers those African communities by offering employment opportunities to the locals that they wouldn't otherwise have. There is also the benefit of returning the local ecosystem to a state of balance, benefiting the local farmers and their communities. It's easy to see why it's the fuel of choice of top competitive teams such as the Smoking Joint, Suck Knuckle Smokers and Smoke and Steel. With distributors nationwide, follow Clean Heat Charcoal on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. Hey folks, I'm sitting here in what has to be one of the coolest barbecue joints I've ever been into. We're in, of course, Louisiana in beautiful New Orleans. I'm at uh, Central City Barbecue with James Cruz. And he's just told me that this is the number one rated barbecue joint in the city, which ha- which is known as one of the number one uh, food 
cities in the world. So that is just incredible. So James, mate, how you going? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, man. Good. So one of the things that I always kick off an interview with is what was the last thing that you barbecued for yourself? Oh, gee. Um, hanger steak tacos. Hanger steak tacos. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I was playing around with some uh, hanger steak and trying out some uh, new fresh tortillas that were brought to us by a tortilla company uh, five miles from here, and they're phenomenal. Wow. So it was all local products. All local products. Well, the hanger steak might have never been, but it was it was prime hanger steak, so I couldn't tell you where the cow came from. <laughs> close enough. Close yeah. enough. So what do you cook on at home when you're cooking at home? At home, I, I like to cook in everything from a drum that I built to the PK360. Um, that's that's about it. Either a drum, PK360. Sometimes I'll, I'll pull out the icon if I want to get a little creative and cook on a, on a ceramic style grill. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I'm not cooking for a whole lot of people. It's just, you know, it's basically myself most of the time. I had a bit of a look at one of those uh, PK360s when I was down in Hobart there a few weeks ago. How do you like cooking on it? I like them. A lot of flexibility. Uh, you can cook up to 900 degrees, sear some really hot if you want. You could smoke at 250 if you want. Uh, I put I pair with a set of grill grates, so that gives me a little more flexibility, you know, whether you, you grill for that sear mark on one end or flip it over and griddle on the other side. And it's, I want to say it's 26 inches wide, so it's plenty enough room to, to smoke, do a little two-zone cooking method on it. Yeah, decent amount of real estate there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's awesome. So tell us your history with barbecue. How'd you get into it? Oh, <clears throat> 21 and a half years ago, I was playing in a football league. For you, American football. Yeah, yeah, Recreational. Yeah. <laughs> I had some guys on the team that uh, I was telling them, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to cook you some ribs at home. Well, at the time, I thought that I was set. I had a, an old beat-up gas grill in my back patio. <laughs> I got some of the uh, beef spare ribs from the grocery store, You know, the ones with no meat on top that people use as soup bones. Dusted them with some uh, Tony's Creole seasoning and put some Kraft barbecue sauce on them while they were raw. Grilled them for about 30 minutes, thought they were done, and they tasted like this table. <laughs> so I called my uncle, my uncle Ronnie. He, he has always been the guy who smoked meats for Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. And I told him, I said, look, I, said, I need to show me how to cook those ribs. And he said, the only way I'm going to show you is if you come do it with me. So Perfect. that happened to be the following weekend, September 1st of 97, I smoked my first rack of ribs. Wow. And, and you remember the exact date, The too. exact date is Labor Day. Well, I, I want to say a few years back, someone asked me, and I knew it was Labor Day of 97, so I went back and checked the date. <laughs> so, yeah, I can I could say... Um, that is very factual that it's September 1st, 97, when I smoked my first rack of ribs. Wow. And then since then, I've been a student and you have just continued to work on it. Yeah, right. So 1997, what, we're up to 22 years now? Almost 22, yeah. 22, yeah. So what is it about barbecue then that just keeps you coming back day in, day out? Because you'll never know everything about it. And I, I like a challenge. Uh, I've been a competitive person most of my life playing sports and now this is my, my current sport. And... I look at it, there, there's something that's challenging about every piece of meat every single time you approach it. You know, if, if I promise of being a math guy as well, so yeah, there's variables. Every time you cook, there's a new variable, whether it be, you know, the, the, your fuel, your ingredients, you know, your, your seasonings, the, the meat you're cooking on, because 
no two pieces of meat were raised identical. There no, there's no two pieces that, that are actually identical to each other. So every piece of meat is different. So every time I cook something, um, I can't say that it's going to finish at X amount, X amount of time at, at this certain degree because you might be off every single time you cook. I mean, you, with experience, you get better at, at fine-tuning that schedule. But for the most part, it, it's a challenge. Every single time I go out there and cook, it's a challenge with, with obviously, with a, a reward at the end. You know, you get to eat the stuff, so. Yeah, that is um, that is a beautiful part of the game is yeah. just that, yeah. that uh, I guess, battling the unknown, I guess, is a way to put it. So um, you are just talking about how uh, no two meats are the same, uh, no two beasts have been raised the same. Have you found a particular breed or style or region that you like to get your meat from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at the Midwest, beef is is predominant, you know, in, in the Midwest. You've got uh, a lot of cattle coming through. You've got your uh, Angus coming, you know, in the Missouri area. A lot of them coming from there. Um, poultry, well, anybody can, almost anybody can raise a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pigs, I mean, like this weekend, I'm cooking Compart. And um, you, you can't beat Compart. Yeah, it's, it's a very clean... Duroc breed uh, uh, by Mr. Jim Compart up there in Minnesota, and um, it, it's just like beef. You, you look for marbling inside your pork. I mean, whatever name or brand is slapped on the label, it's it's irrelevant. Uh, it's what matters is what's behind that label. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm not really married to a brand. There's some there's certain brands and, and farms that I do like, um, just because with experience and, and some of the reputations that you know that I have. With those guys and the reputation they carry nationally, you kind of know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know, but you never know until you actually get it in your hands. Yeah, sure, yeah. Cool. So what what would you say um, influences your your barbecue, your styles, your flavor, your profiles? What sort of – what do you draw on? I'm a mutt. I am absolutely a mutt. I've, I've traveled <laughs> all over the country. Um, I've traveled all over the country uh, with barbecue-related uh, events along with work-related stuff. So every time I've gone places – and I, I get this question a lot about about styles. Um, you got your Texas guys who, you know, they pride themselves with beef. They think they're the best barbecue ever. Memphis, they think they're the best. Kansas City thinks they're the best. Carolina, uh, Mississippi, you know, Florida even has some stuff. Georgia. Um, in my opinion, no one's, the, no one's the best. Everybody's really, really good. And every time you visit a certain region, you got to look at it. You got to go to it with an open mind. Okay, look at the history. I'm a big history guy too. So you you go into it saying, where that recipe come from? You know, I'm not talking about you know, Joe gave Mike a recipe. I'm talking about where that come from from predating their you know their knowledge of it, mm. and you, you kind of appreciate the skill that goes involved in it and the the different cooking apparatuses and, and the styles, and you take a little bit of you know pieces here and there. You know, so if I was to say maybe my brisket's leaning towards Texas, my my ribs are kind of a cross between, let's say, a Memphis, Kansas City style rib. Mm-hmm. Uh, pork is probably a Carolina Memphis. You know, it's you take a little bit of everybody, and then and then on top of that, you can reach out, you visit some other regions, and try something else. I mean, you know, Baltimore's got their pit and beef, which in a sense is a style of barbecue. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's not one of the. Uh, it's not the popular uh, style of barbecue or anything like that, but it's something that I want to play around with. 
and 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 what is that? What what typifies they, that style? They pick, it's just it's just what they're doing. They're kind of searing, and then they're almost doing a pulled beef. Yeah, you know, that's just that's just an example. I mean, I want to do let's say an Italian beef from let's say Chicago. You know, uh, the tri tips like they do in California. You know, a lot of that leans towards grilling, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I personally like to grill a lot. Um, but you know, back to the original question, my style, I'm, I'm just a mutt. I, I pick up a little bit from everybody, and then try to create my own from there. Oh, awesome! Sounds delicious. So, um, you cook with uh, with the team Apocalypse now. So, mm-hmm. fill us in on how that team came together. <laughs> Well, I want to say back in, uh, <clears throat> well, I cooked with the pork was for Hogs for the Cause. I want to say back in 2013, I was competing against those guys and cooking next to them and really just formed a friendship with a couple of teammates. Um, the team that I was on was, was going in a different direction with things and uh, Apocalypse was looking to expand at the same time and we met, we talked about some stuff. We, we talked about different barbecue ideas, where we, the direction we wanted to go in with the team. And following year in 2014, we joined up. And, you know, just a little team from New Orleans. We took reserve grand, lost by a tenth of a point to Mark, Mark Lambert and Malcolm Reed. A tenth of a point. A tenth of a point to two of the big guys in barbecue. <laughs> and then we followed that up the next two years with grand championships, the next two. Yeah, and both wow. of them were, were pretty wide margins. So yeah. good. Yeah. Now you you just mentioned that, um, that that you spoke to the team and you were all sort of headed in the same direction. In in terms of like organizing a competition team, how important is it that everybody's on the same page and heading in that same direction? It's it's very important for your bigger competitions. If if I'm cooking a smaller contest, there's lots of I'll, I can cook by myself. But when you're looking at stuff like Hogs for the cause. Uh, Memphis and May coming up. Um, got Larry. Larry <clears throat> is probably how should I describe Larry over here at these big contests? He's my right hand man for one thing. So at, at Memphis and May, you've got your your head cook and you've got your assistant during presentation. Larry's my assistant. It's unquestionable who I'd even ask to to consider that. He's also the guy that aggravates the hell out of me during contests, and he knows it. He's sitting right here, too. He's got this big grin on his face now. He, he knows, knows he aggravates the hell. And the reason why is because when I'm competing, my only focus is what's what's right in front of me. Time is is all over the place. Uh, schedule, it's 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 all in my head. It's all there. I don't. Some guys have a marker board or a chalk. A chalk I have none of that. Really? When you, when you see my setup, you see no times, you see no labels, you see nothing. Everything is a mystery. It's all in my head. Larry's there to kind of kind of keep the head straight, if that okay. makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he gives me the time checks. He's the guy who just kind of keeps just, he kicks me. Tells me, you know, <laughs> hey, James, this needs to get done. And I'll yell back at him. And then when it's all over, got, got a hug for Larry. And, and it's the reason why we've done well at the bigger contest. I probably do better at bigger contests than I do small ones. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's more focused there. Okay. More, more focused, more, I know that there's more on the line. A smaller contest, when I'm by myself, I, I still do well. But it, it's just one of those things where you got the world championship and, and hogs for the cause, it, you know, focus becomes an extreme precedence, you know. You, you, you can't make many mistakes at, that, at that, those level of competitions. 
So you're like a diamond. You you get refined under pressure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> perfect, yeah, perfect example. I mean, I might not be a clear diamond. <laughs> I mean, I, I might be cubic zirconium, whatever you, whatever this, that is. But yeah. whatever the one that's definitely not in my wife's engagement ring. Yeah, that yes. one. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> Beautiful. So, is that um, two or three times that you've won hogs for the cause now? Twice. Twice. <clears throat> you know, we we can argue that it should have been four times now, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be three times come Sunday. <laughs> oh, he, he just jinxed us. <laughs> and, and it's ruined. <laughs> no, I, I, did a, I did a TV thing yesterday, and, I, and God did the same thing there. You know, so he's – but anyway, no, we're, we're confident going in. It's, this year is probably the um, – every year we go into it confident. You know, we're kind of looked at as, as the favorite to kind of win it every year. Um, you know, some people would say that it's kind of pressure for us. For us, it it's it's really not. I mean, because we ignore it. You know, uh, we haven't won anything yet this year. If you if you look at it that way, okay, we're going into it with the same chance that every single team out there has. Um, if people want to label us the favorite, well, that's just an opinion of theirs. And, you know, we go into it that we right now we have raw pieces of meat in the cooler that haven't been touched, and, and we haven't we don't know what that's gonna how it's gonna turn out. We just know we're going to put out put forth our best effort and see what happens. But I will say this is probably the very best team we've had coming out there. Right. From an experience and talent standpoint, yep. we, we've got a really good team coming out there this year. Cool. So is that is that what you'd say sets you apart from other teams? Like that's that's the unique thing that you bring to this competition is the is the people? Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a team that has been together, you know, and – that first year in 2014, we had some other members and everything, but we still had the core. You know, as me, Larry, and a couple of people, and we've kind of built upon that. Um, I've added a couple, a couple other barbecue guys that I've kind of taken under my wing and, and, and have kind of coached them up a little bit, and they've been a huge help. Um, so with their experience, with say mine and Larry's experience working together at these contests, it's there really is no there's no more guesswork anymore. You know, we know what's we know what we have to do. And then after that, it's once you close the lid on the box, it's, it's up to the judges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Cool. Um, so, obviously, we're sitting here in, in Central City Barbecue. You've recently come on board there. Um, how did that come about and how's that changed your life? <clears throat> um, well, I, I knew the people here. I knew the owners. Um I started consulting for them back in August of last year, uh, just training their pit staff, you know, kind of helping them out on the barbecue side of things. And then eventually that turned into an offer to be the pit master, face of the business. And um, it took a little thinking. I wasn't sure if I even wanted to be in a restaurant. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of rubs or we're about to hit the market, things like that. And And I looked at it as, you know, Maybe it's a timing thing, and, and something's telling me that yeah, I should do this. And been here a little over three months, and it's been great. I mean, we've been got a great staff here of thirty something employees. That a lot of these people have a ton of restaurant experience, um, so they're easy to lean on. Um, yeah, and, and we turn out a good product. We bring it. We source some some quality ingredients, quality meats, and then that makes it easy for us to uh, to turn out something that we're proud of and uh, yeah it's, it's been a fun ride though 
It really yeah. has. It's, you know, I, I, there's zero regrets whatsoever. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So with a the, with the staff of 30, the, the scale of this place must be huge. What, what, what sort of, uh, I don't know, numbers of briskets do you turn out per week? Well, it's hard to say because we have events every week. So that number either goes up or down every week. But we, the number, I'd say a couple hundred, 300 briskets a week. Wow. Yeah, upwards of 300. It really, it really depends on uh, on the week. I mean, if we have a festival or some of that, but on the average, probably 200, 200 something. That's awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So what's coming up in the future for you then? Well, that's a tough question. Um, Given that you started here three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about this? More experience here. <laughs> More experience here. And, you know, I kind of get back on the competition trail a little bit and uh, I've you know, we've got a couple of them coming up. We've got uh, one of my favorites coming up in Marksville. This is after Hogs. And then, then I start prepping for Memphis in May. And then I start hitting a couple of them during the summer. And then hit the, uh, the fall stretch of contest. Yeah, so I'm excited about it. You know, I've got a... Uh, it's not like I have any new wrinkles or anything with it because I pretty much run the same recipes every contest I have for the last couple of years. So, so. Is, is Memphis in May the, the biggest one of the year for you then? Uh, this year it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it really is this year. So uh, last year we did surprisingly well as a first-year uh, competitor and presenter. Uh, so we just, we're just going to build upon that this year. You know, I'm, I'm actually seeking out a little uh, little coaching on a presentation. Uh, got all 10s on, on the cooking aspect. My box was all 10s. My onset, the, the meat part of the onset presentation were all 10s. Presentation, I was a little, I was a little off, and um, we now presentation. We, you know, people are telling us we should walk. Mm. Um, we'll see what happens. Hi, it's Adam from Primal Line, and you're listening to Swing Hot Confessions. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfire has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who've even traveled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, they are also producing incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinet smokers and some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever gonna see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work, ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Alrighty, James. So your specialty is pork ribs. You've come first place at uh, here at Hogs for the Cause, and uh, so we're going to get into some uh, into some rib talk now. We're going to get some uh, get some tips and secrets out of you for the listeners. So, mate, when you're cooking ribs, what type of rib do you prefer? Um, I like St. Louis. I, I just I, I like what I like what it brings. You know, I like the marbling. Um, I like the flavor. 
you know, it's 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 got a little bit richer flavor. Um, yeah, like the the meaty bite, it, you know, there's a lot of things I like about it. I mean, it it rides next to the belly. Which I mean, what can you not like about that? <laughs> I they're actually my preferred uh, type of ribbon I cook to compete as well. Only because it satisfies my OCD because the bones are usually so straight and square, they yeah. line up so nicely in the box and it doesn't upset my OCD rage. Well, so I need to get I need to get some ribs from Australia then. <laughs> <laughs> these, these American pigs are uh, they get a little crooked on us sometimes. Well, what I've actually noticed is that your American ribs are much bigger than mm-hmm. the ones we have in Australia. And um from from other conversations I've had, I think it's because you uh, you butcher the hogs later in life than than we do. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'd, I was just at Aldi the other day, and I, I sorry, no, not Aldi, Costco. Mm-hmm. And I went into Costco, and there were racks of St. Louis in there that were twice the length of the racks that we get at home. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 30 bucks? We average. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, we average probably 12 to 14 bones on our rack of St. Louis. And then, um, you know, we also leave, hopefully, leave a little belly meat on there so you don't have shiners and things like that. Uh, that is the trick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, belly's become so popular from a, a retail and commercial standpoint that they're taking more off the St. Louis. But uh, if you source them correctly, you can get them to where they can almost promise you more some belly meat on there. Now, that's really interesting because you've kind of got the reverse problem that, that, that we've had in Australia. So for, for as long as, you know, butchers have been butchering pigs in Australia, the belly's always been where the money is. And so we have never been able to get ribs with meat on them and so now we're just starting to get there butchers are starting to realize this whole low and slow smoking thing and so they're leaving more meat on the ribs and now you're telling me that your butchers are going the other way well most of them let's just say here at the restaurant you know we've, we've got some samples in and things like that and they would come in and might have some shiners on them so we try a different rib and then finally we settled on one type of rib that have been phenomenal um, a little bit more belly meat on them. Uh, nice, even cut looking, nice, even ribs, uh, well marbled. Um, you know, they're, they're guaranteed spec within a quarter pound of each other. Oh, wow. And yeah. They're practically handpicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for, uh, for us. I mean, uh, national rep came down and, and talked to us about it and look at the volume, the volume we're doing and, and said, you know, I'd like to work with you guys. And so far they've lived up to it. So good. That's awesome. And so if I'm, say, I'm at the supermarket or I'm at my butcher and I'm looking at some ribs, what should I be looking for when I'm buying them? Well, the first thing you want, nice, even meat all the way across. And within that meat, you want, you know, the white specks, marbling. Um, You know, I almost feel like I have to explain this almost as if, if I'm talking to, say, another competitor, you know, it's a little different. But let's just say the general public. You're looking for those white specks, you know, the marbling, uh, the fat. You want it in there, you know. And hopefully, if you can look at the 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 back end of the rib, not not where the membrane is, but you look at um, the fatter side, the thicker side of the rib, and you can see where there's a separation of belly meat, a little bit of uh, fat layer there, and then you have the rib meat. You want to look for that. So if you see that white line going across, you know you're going to have a fattier rib. And if it's cooked correctly, it's going to render down. You can have a nice, juicy, succulent bite. Yeah, you, can't, you can't beat that. Oh, yeah. so good. I actually saw some of your ribs out there before. I saw your, I, I saw your, uh, the all-star? Your, your, your kitchen guy. Yes, yes, the, the All-Star. The All-Star. I knew you had a name, but I forgot uh, the name. I was like, oh, come on. The All-Star. Yeah, I, the I saw him yeah. slicing them, man. They look so good. Yeah, he's, uh, he's good, but no. 
you know, we've got a we got a good staff here. The uh, obviously the ribs look pretty good today. They look well. I say they look good every day, <laughs> but um, no, that that's the rib that we're sourcing now. You know, you saw the size of it, the uh, nice amount of meat across the top of the bones, and you know, yeah, we 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 dream of getting ribs like that uh, for for competition. So and that, the, the fact that you're getting. Boxes of them every single week. Just that's makes my you restaurant, want to cry. and that's my restaurant rib too. <laughs> yeah, so you know, even for con- I, I wouldn't flinch at all at using those at a contest. No, 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 they'd be they'd be spot on. Right. Yeah. So okay, so moving on to uh, to rubs and whatnot. Then, do you use a binding agent before you put on the rub, and do you prefer wet or dry rubs? Binding agent, yes, I use a mustard. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, when I'm personally cooking, when I'm competing. Yes, I always use mustard. At the restaurant, we don't. We we just we go straight into the rub. Okay. Um, I I like a thin coat of yellow mustard, and then as far as the rubs, I make my own rubs. So I use uh, two types. I have one. I basically call it number one. <laughs> it's not a ranking. It's it in you know the people who know me know exactly what what I'm talking about. It's a little salty, a little spicier, more of a savory pork rub, and that goes on first. And I'll typically put that on overnight, the, uh, the night before I'm cooking them. The next day, I put I have a second rub. It's a little more coarse. It's sweeter. Heat gets, gets kicked up a little bit more. And that goes on 30 minutes before they hit the smoker, basically when the smoker's coming up the temp. Um, I'll let them sit there. And it depends on the ambient temperature they're sitting in. They, I want them to sweat. So it looks almost wet. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go with one more layer, light dusting of that same rub again. Okay. And then it hits the smoker. And then, and then from that point on, it's, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's within my control, slightly out of my control, you know, it depends on what the rib's going to do, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then it's, um, you know, I, I could either go unwrapped, I can wrap them. It's, it really, at that point, becomes a personal preference. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so that was ribs at home, yeah? Mm-hmm. That, that was what you're saying? Okay. How comfortable are you in giving me a bit of a walkthrough in, in how you do your competition rubs? I mean, don't I, don't don't give away all your secrets, of course. No, I mean it's I've got a slight bit of itching powder going down my back right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I'll tell you. Uh, same process to start. I, I don't change that up, and I haven't changed that up for years. And um, the difference is, you know, obviously in contest, color is a big deal. Okay. Uh, the bark can't be too tight. It, it can't have that, that, let's say, since you are cooking belly meat, you can't have that bacon type texture. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. not chewy, but you know, it's got a little bit of bite. You, mm. you want the bite to be the same all the way through. So it's a very soft bite. Um, almost kind of like bite through a piece of bread or like say a, a soft marshmallow, things like that. Um, so what I'll do is I'll spray. Won't say it was in spray, but I'll tell you I'll spray. <laughs> I, I keep the surface wet. Yep. Uh, about every hour, uh, sometimes less, sometimes more. It really depends on what smoker I'm cooking on. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I'm cooking on one of my wet smokers, a little bit less, maybe every hour and a half. And then as far as when to wrap, it really, it, it depends on what the rib's telling me. Okay? The rib's going to tell me something different every time. It could be two hours on up to three and a half is when I'm wrapping. And then, you know, and I have some certain ingredients that I put in the wrap. There's always something wet. There's always something sweet, always something savory in there. After that, it just becomes testing. 
you know, when is the rib done? So I, I do a twist on bones. I, I'll pick it up. Sometimes I can actually pick it up and feel when it's done through the foil. How much How much give is in the rack? How much give is in the rack? Just with yeah. my fingers. Fingertips tell me a lot about if I'm getting close or if it's even done. Um, after that, take it off. If I'm uh, if I'm going a dry rib, maybe dust it. If I'm going to, at, obviously we're talking competition. So yeah, then I'll go with the rib glaze that I make. Right. Set the glaze and uh, maybe spray it one more time to kind of level it. Oh, Cut beautiful. it, turn it in. Beautiful. Yeah. So do you ever uh, do anything or do you put any stock in uh, things like brining the ribs beforehand? No. No? No. In fact, I, I want as natural of a rib as possible. Okay. So part of that natural process, if, if I'm going to brine, I'm just eliminating the whole natural process. You know, I'm, you go back to that cure. And I don't want a cure. You know, I want, I want whoever's eating it, the judge or let's just say I'm doing a competition rib for friends. I, I want them to have that natural, really soft bite. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what I'm shooting for. Okay. Cool. So do you um, like do any phosphate injections or anything? To On sort ribs? Of try and- no. No? Uh-huh. No? Okay. no, not at all. All right. So no, it, 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 it's it, pretty it, straightforward. It, it literally all comes down to the cooking process. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it, it's my ribs are pretty straightforward. I mean, there there's nothing crazy. There there's no gimmicks in it. It is uh, essentially rubbed, smoked, wrapped, sauced. Ah, oh, delicious. Yeah, it's, it's nothing crazy. And so I guess that the that the final stage of the process then has to be. Um, has to be the presentation. How do you go about uh, about putting them in the box? Uh, like, do you do you lay them on top, four underneath, four on it, top? It really, you... honestly, it depends on the contest because some contests require a certain arrangement. Some of them give you free range to set up however you want. Require a certain arrangement. That's interesting. Yeah, okay, it's the BCA. Yeah. BCA and IBCA both require a certain arrangement. Okay. Give an example in the BCA. You're cooking St. Louis ribs. Um, you are also, if it's 50 teams or less, you put four bones down, three up top. If it's 50 teams or more, you go five bones down, four up top. Wow. Yeah. Same with IBCA. Why? I don't see why the number of teams would make a difference to, oh, because ha- you have more that judges. would govern how many judges are on the table. More judges, more bites. Right. Right. Of course. KCBS, yeah, yeah. FBA, uh, you, you know, you, you design the box however you please. You know, you try to get too creative, it's, it could be distracting. So, I mean, I, even my boxes are set up kind of simple. And I, and I like to do, um, let's say, perpendicular to the hinge. That's my favorite my favorite setup in two rows. Uh, Memphis and May, I do a little bit more than that. Because Memphis and May is, is a whole other animal. You're doing two bone sections. So it gives the judge the opportunity to pull apart as well. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So instead of cutting singles, you're cutting doubles. Cutting doubles. Oh, okay. Two ribs. So the style of judging can influence the presentation Absolutely. as well. You, you got to know how they judge. And that, you know, that actually leans towards how do you cook them too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're cooking a different texture for almost every section of the body. Mm. So. Wow, interesting. And so I guess the final question has to be, are you a parsley guy or a kale guy? Uh, which one? For for the bed underneath the meat. Are you a parsley guy or a kale guy? Uh, I like a little bit of both, actually. Yeah, I like both. I'm not. I mean, it used to be a parsley. It used to be uh, green leaf lettuce and parsley. 
You know, that was, that was the guard. Now, Kale has, has kind of taken over. You know, so it's it's really, it's, you know, ease of setup and personal preference as to what it looks like. You know, at, at the end of the day, the judge isn't eating the granary. So, you know, is it, does it create a little bit of eye appeal for them? And if it does, then, you know, then go with it. You know, it's really still all about the meat. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Are you looking for a barbecue store experience that leaves you not just happy with your purchase but genuinely excited about it? Barbecues and More, the Weber specialist on Weber Drive, is the place for you. Family owned and operated since 2001, the husband and wife team of Jenny and Gary have been combining their love of smoking and barbecue with their genuine product knowledge to help their customers give a truly great barbecue experience to their family and friends. The product range is vast with all the smokers and barbecues from Weber, as well as GMG, Hark, Masterbuilt and Pit Brothers. Then there's their famous The Art of Smoking classes that are regular sellout successes. Combined with a huge range of smoking accessories, rubs and sauces, they have all the right products to satisfy your needs. And your wants. Find out more at barbecuesandmore.com.au That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E-S and more.com.au Alrighty, James, we're going to close out this interview with our, our uh, quick question segment. So I'm going to throw 10 questions at you and you can throw back, uh, you know, one word or one sentence answers, yeah? Sure. Cool. So, number one, brisket, fat side up or down? Depends on the smoker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it depends on where the heat source comes from. All right. Heat always leans towards the fat. Okay, so heat towards the fat. Yes. So if you're cooking... Well, I'm not- sorry. Well, actually, fat towards the heat. I mean, you can't... You can't redirect yeah, the yeah, heat yeah, source sure. to the smoker, right? Sure. So if you're cooking in a standard offset... Uh, fat side up. Fat side up. Oh, cool. All right, chicken, breast, wings, or thighs? Ooh. Thighs if I'm smoking, okay? Uh, breast, any other style of cooking, you know, <laughs> if we're not talking barbecue. Yeah, and wings Wings are good anytime, any time, anyway. Cool. Now, number three, I think we already talked about this, pork ribs, St. Louis, baby back, or spare? I like a St. Louis. St. Louis, yep. Sauce, on the meat or on the side? On the side. Uh, temps, low and slow or hot and fast? Like up around 300 or around 225? I'm a hot and fast kind of guy, but I, I can I can play with low and slow when needed. Uh, what's your nemesis cut, the hardest thing for you to cook? For competition or just, just cooking? Just in general. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't like pork for competition, but uh, I should say chicken. Chicken? Yeah, I mean, I don't eat enough of it, so I don't cook it enough. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. I don't think anyone really likes doing barbecue no, chicken all that much. No. <laughs> so, uh, what's one tip or trick you wish you'd known sooner? Uh, from the early years, probing on brisket, not temping. All about feel on brisket. Cool. Um, the future, what do you think is going to be the next trend in barbecue? As far as categories or flavors? Anything. I mean, hot and fast has become the latest trend uh, the last few years. I, I don't. I think I think another protein is going to be introduced that's going to probably take off. May, maybe pork belly. It's ready, readily available everywhere now. That, that could be something that I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing it. 
Well, we did just talk about how you're losing your ribs to the pork belly, so yeah. we might see a category replacement. It's, it's not expensive, and it, it's it, it leads towards a ton of flexibility. And of course, pork belly burnt ends. Oh, absolutely! Delicious, delicious. Yep. Okay, pellet grills in comps, yay or nay? I don't mind them, and I'm actually about. For all you guys are competing against, I'm gonna start trying one. Oh, there you go. That's a yay. Yeah, that new one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And last one. If there were a fantasy barbecue league, who would you choose for your team? Oh, jeez. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and say this. And probably because I have a ton of respect for this guy, and he's been a mentor for me for years, Mark Lambert. You know, and it doesn't hurt the guy just won his fifth world championship, too. You know, he, he, is, he is from a – Technician standpoint, the guy I probably look, I, I, I lean on. He's he's a guy that I've I've uh, consulted with multiple times. Yeah, so come on board, Mark. He's First a fantastically pick. friendly guy too. I I met him at the OBR tent in Houston last year. Oh yeah. Um, after the awards presentations, and he he didn't know me from Adam. I just stuck my head in and went, "Holy crap, that's Mark Lambert!" Yeah. And, and said hello. And he invited my wife and son and I into the OBR tent. We sat there, we had dinner with him, and talked with him for hours. Yeah, he's very welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, mate, that's a wrap for the interview. Thank you very much for your time. I'm seeing, I'm literally seeing two tour buses pull up out front now. Right. We've so got, I guess we've got some going on. And, here, I can, but, and, and I can see you sort of looking a bit furtively out of the sides of your eyes there. Right. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hang out at Hogs. Yes, we will. I'll, I'll and, see uh, you there. Thanks very much and, for your time. If everything goes right, we'll maybe yank you up on stage with us. Oh, hey, there we go. So <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Ben. And there you have it, family, competition pork ribs with multiple grand champion James Cruz Jr. I can't thank James enough for taking time out of his day to sit and chat barbecue with me. If you're ever in New Orleans, do head on down to Central City Barbecue and ask James for a tour of the pits. It's a great venue and a killer setup. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about the Hail Mary Tees, the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook, and if you have a minute, it'd really help me out if you could subscribe, rate, and review the show. The ratings and reviews trigger the algorithms and make Apple distribute the podcast further and wider, so they are really important and very much appreciated. And that's the end of the show. Till next time, take care of each other and keep on curing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>